Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Some Chicago aldermen are demanding answers from the city's top cop about the recent rise in homicides, shootings, and carjackings. More than 600 residents have been killed so far this year. Data shows Chicago is on track for its highest murder count since 1995. Police Superintendent David Brown had to account at a recent budget hearing. Our cops are doing their jobs. They're doing their jobs in extraordinary ways. And but for the courts not holding violent offenders in jail longer, we would be much safer than we are today. Joining us now for more on this issue is WBEZ criminal justice reporter Chip Mitchell. Hey, Chip. Good morning, Sasha. Chip, first, can you tell us why the council was grilling police superintendent David Brown at this budget hearing? Well, the the superintendent has to take questions from the council every year as part of the city's budget process. It's a long hearing, usually. And yesterday, the questioning from Allerman totaled about eight hours, Sasha. Wow. Um, They didn't quit until about 730 in the evening. So this hearing yesterday was just one of many in which city department heads over the next few weeks go before council members. This comes after the mayor presented her budget for next year, a couple weeks early last month. Council typically votes on the whole plan in November, and they have to vote on it before January 1st, which is the start of the budget year. Now, at the budget hearing, what really struck me was one alderman calling Chicago the most dangerous city in the country. What did the superintendent have to say about the rise in, in violent crime? Yeah, that was Alderman Matt O'Shea. It was three hours into the hearing, Sasha, and Alderman had not yet even asked tough questions about the city's gun violence. They hardly even mentioned that we are having our worst year for shootings, the most in a quarter century, um, that it's been going on for 18 months. The superintendent certainly didn't mention that, and that it shows no signs of easing. Here's Alderman O'Shea. I'm just frustrated that I've heard so much fluff here today. We are in a public safety crisis, and any and all attention put on that is what everybody in this room should be working on. So that was interesting because O'Shea represents a far south side ward with a lot of cops, and he didn't come hard at the superintendent either or raise any opposition to the mayor's budget plan for the police. What he proposed essentially was more talking. He suggested what he called a summit involving local and federal law enforcement agencies, along with social service providers and politicians. Interesting. You know, the numbers are frightening, Chip. By yesterday morning, 623 Chicagoans had been shot and killed across the city so far just in 2021. And in recent months, as you've said to us here on Reset in the past, Chip, they've been particularly deadly, right? Yeah, September had 89 murders, Sasha. That was nearly 10% more than last September, and it was more than any September since 1992, Chicago's most violent year during the crack epidemic. Wow. Is this happening elsewhere? Are other major cities seeing similar surges in gun violence right now? Yeah, well, yeah, murders spiked up last year in cities across the country during the pandemic. And uh, after the video of George Floyd getting killed by Minneapolis police came out, um, there was a lot of unrest. 
but the numbers started to plateau this year. And in New York, actually, they've seen some homicide declines this summer. So if Chicago keeps on like it's going, it, um, it could eventually become an outlier. You know, we'll have to see. Well, Brown is repeatedly blaming the rise in violence on bail reforms. We heard it in, in the clip earlier. What exactly is he arguing? Why is he blaming the courts? Yeah, he talks over and over about judges allowing the release of pretrial defendants charged with violent crimes. You know, these are defendants, of course, they can't afford to just pay their way with bail to get out of jail. Yesterday, he kept repeating that 100 people charged with murder are are out on the loose right now. But what he's not talking so much about is that all these people are released um, with strict conditions about home confinement, house arrest with electronic monitoring. They're wearing bracelets with GPS equipped on them. Mm -hmm. And Superintendent Brown, he brings up anecdotes um, over and over. He's been doing it all year, but he still hasn't provided any data showing that these people, these pretrial defendants are actually driving Chicago's gun violence. In fact, academic researchers and the county's chief judge, they have come out with data, and it shows that just a small, small fraction comes from crimes committed by pretrial defendants. Well, Jeff, you've been looking at this stuff for a long time. So given that data, given what the superintendent is actually saying, what do you make of his argument? Well, <laughs> it's frustrating if you're a cop and you're going out on the street and you're working hard to, you know, seize guns. Um, they're on a, a record pace for gun seizures this year. They have more than 9,000 guns that come in. And then you hear an anecdote about somebody who's been released on electronic monitoring um, committing another crime. You know, that has to be frustrating as a police officer. And it has to be frustrating if you're the police superintendent and you are trying to, you know, motivate your officers to continue raking in these guns that are right. carried illegally. But, you know, I think that the gun violence problem in Chicago is really complicated. And it's, uh, you know, criminologists, you know, they try and try and try, but it's hard really to pin it down on any one single cause. And, you know, there are underlying causes like poverty um, that's fertile ground for something like this. So when you get like a, a killing of a George Floyd in Minneapolis or a pandemic, you know, it's very fertile ground for an upsurge in gun violence. Uh, Chip, you just mentioned the killing of George Floyd. Now, after that killing last year by a Minneapolis police officer, there was a movement, right, calling for defunding police departments, and it gained strength. Uh, CPD's annual budget is up for debate now, and at yesterday's hearing, I wonder how many city council members were still championing that movement. Yeah, the Mayor Lightfoot's plan is to actually increase the police budget to one point nine billion dollars. That's up from one point seven billion that was budgeted for this year that we're finishing. Yeah, there are some aldermen that are receptive to this movement of, to defund the police, but you, you you didn't hear hardly a word about it throughout this questioning. Eight hours of questioning of the police superintendent yesterday. In fact, most aldermen, the overwhelming majority of them. They're pushing for more police officers in their wards, and it's not hard to see that that is their agenda when they're questioning the police superintendent, giving him softball questions, praising their local district commanders for all of their hard work. You know, a lot of wards across the city, they, what they want is more officers. Mm -hmm. So what these aldermen that are interested in shifting resources from the police department to, you know, other ways of fighting crime, fighting violent crime, gun violence, um, they've focused on chipping away in small methods like, uh, for example, the city right now is piloting 
um, new ways to respond to 911 calls for mental health crises. Right now, there are two teams, pilot teams, that one on the north, one on the south side, that include a paramedic, a clinician, and just one cop who's supposed to be on hand just in case there's a big threat. So that's something that uh, aldermen who are receptive to the defund police movement um, that they've been really focused on. You you mentioned the aldermen wanting more officers, but it, it, of course, comes at a time when there are currently a thousand vacancies at CPD. Are they struggling to recruit new cops? Yeah. Now, an important point of context there is that this is a thousand out of a police department that the budget next year would provide funds for more than 13,000 officers. So, yeah, they are down a thousand officers from that budgeted figure. That's partly due to retirements from the department that are a bit higher than what would be normal. And it's also due to hiring that has been disrupted by the pandemic. So they haven't been able to hold these big exams with lots of people in a room in person. Um, So now they are going on a blitz for recruitment for in-person exams um, October through this month, um, through the end of the year. And Superintendent Brown talked a lot about that and made an appeal to the public to spread the word and for people to show up and take this exam. Well, of the officers that we do currently have, what does that demographic look like? Because you've reported on a lack of diversity among CPD's rank and file? Yeah, a report uh, this summer by Inspector General Joseph Ferguson's office says that African-Americans account for 37% of CPD applicants. So that's more than the, what is it, 29% of the population is African-American. And that's interesting because what it suggests is that there are a lot of black folks who want to be cops. Um, They're applying in larger numbers than they are in the population. But just 18% of black candidates make it through the year and a half hiring process, Sasha. So So just about half. uh, Yeah. Wow. So it's not that they don't want to be cops. It's that they have a hard time getting through the process and then getting through the police academy. The IG found some of the hurdles. So, for example, Compared to other applicants, black men were eliminated at their highest rate during the background check. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some plans to deal with this, you know, to diversify the police force. CPD says there are plans. So, for example, it says it's making, you know, a few changes that are listed. It's accepting the recommendations of the IG, for example, Mm -hmm. disclosing some details about the background checks criteria, halting an automatic disqualification of candidates who fail to pass one of the physical fitness tests. Yeah, there's more of a story there that uh, I encourage you to dig into, Chip. Um, But I want to go back to something you talked about earlier, and that was you brought up mental health. Uh, The department's planning to have a mental health counselor for officers in each of its 22 patrol district stations next year. Why is that a priority now? Well, yeah, the department right now has just 11 mental health clinicians. The budget plan, Mayor Lightfoot's plan, would double that number next year. Here's Superintendent Brown telling city council members about it yesterday. We must be proactive, providing our men and women in blue support for the difficult, dangerous job of protecting the public in what is arguably the most difficult time to be the police in our country's history. So what he's talking about, Sasha, is distrust mainly in some black and brown neighborhoods that worsened after George Floyd's killing last year. The police are also contending with this nearly 18-month surge in gun violence, and it's hard not to wonder 
whether these factors have anything to do with suicides among department members. There have been at least three this year, Sasha. Okay. Well, I want to touch on another issue, Chip, that came up yesterday. ShotSpotter, that was under intense scrutiny during the police budget hearing. It's uh, a network of gunshot audio sensors around the city. What's the latest with that contract? Yeah, this technology has really um, come under scrutiny across the country. Another report from the inspector general found that ShotSpotter is not an effective tool against gun violence. Brown yesterday defended the technology. What he said was, if one life is saved, we should keep that tool in our toolbox, Sasha. Well, we'll have to see what happens there. What are the next steps, though, for this budget process? So you said $1.9 billion is how much the mayor's planning to boost police spending. That's right. The council hearings with heads of departments will continue. Um, Typically, the council votes on the whole budget plan in November. And as I said, they have to approve a budget by January 1st, which is the start of the budget year, Sasha. That is WBEZ criminal justice reporter Chip Mitchell. Thank you so much, Chip. My pleasure. Well, that's it for today's Reset. For more of our interviews, subscribe to this podcast. And please give us a rating. It helps other listeners find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.